you know, this is going to be one of the more controversial episodes that we're going to make, right? Oh, God. We're going to get some hate mail for this one. <laughs> you do it. Do it. Go ahead. Right. Oh. Ring us in, Wade. Welcome back to 22 Hours to Park City. I'm Wade. I'm Asher. And today, uh, we decided to lighten the mood a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about our uh, top five movie choices along with a couple of honorary mentions. Yeah, we decided to, to kind of take a step back um, for our third episode, make it a little bit more a little more relaxed this time. Uh, we'll be getting back into the, the nitty-gritty in the fourth episode. Um, before we go on, before we begin with the... Uh, the the uh the movies this is the, we're gonna lay down some ground rules here we're gonna um, we're gonna defend our decisions um wade mentioned already some of these are gonna be influenced on kind of childhood nostalgia so that might uh that might sway us a little bit over to the emotion side from the more reasoning side also yeah. we both came up with our lists in like 10, 15 minutes, so yeah. we may have forgotten films that yeah. we like more than what we're about to state. There's definitely going to be some listening back in, you know, I don't know, a month or so, in which I am going to be kicking myself with regret, but um, I, myself, am a big, big film buff. I know Wade is, too, um, so we're... we're uh, Film history, all all that, all that jazz. We're into that, and so it's 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 kind of tough to narrow it down to the top five. Um, so that's why we added a little bit, just to give us a little bit of uh, more peace of mind. We added some honorary mentions, um, inspired by Watch Mojo over here. Um, so I suppose we can jump right into it. Before we do, though, I do want to say that um, the decision to lighten it up did not come easy. This was my suggestion. The decision to lighten up did not come easy in light of the fact that literally yesterday, the you know Tuesday, the twenty fourth of September, um, the uh, the House of Representatives uh, started a uh, impeachment proceedings against President Trump, and I'm very much chomping at the bit to talk about that, but we'll 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 get to that soon because it's going to be a little bit, so we'll, we have some time for that. So I, I think it's I think it's good to you know relax relax a little bit. I just couldn't let that go without mentioning it. I have to do some reading before we talk about that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, maybe that might be next week's. Um, we're gonna work backwards here. We're gonna start at our uh, five or our fifth uh, choice. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, it was your idea last last week's topic was your idea, and you went first. So it's my idea this time. So I'll go first here. Um, right. At number five for me. Uh, I have No Country for Old Men, uh, filmed by the, the Coen brothers. Um, let's hear yours before we talk about it. All right. My number five is Jaws. All right. Yeah, I think we all... Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, since this one's a series, um, when we, I guess we never decide this. If there's a movie in a series, are we doing the one. whole series? Okay, we are pick just picking... One. Okay, I did that. I just wanted to make sure yeah, I couldn't include the whole series one. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gotta say on my part in choosing No Country for Old Men, it's, a, it's just a great, like, there's no lulls in this movie, I feel. It, it's just from beginning to end, it's straight 
enticing action you know even when you're not even when you're following behind what's already happened with uh um with tommy lee jones following um have you seen the movie i i need to i know (laughs) no swears (laughs) no swears no swears Asher. bring it back so uh good then that's gonna be something we're gonna have to clear spoiler alert by the way to our listeners <laughs> for any I'll of the movies any of the movies we listen to we list here um if you haven't heard it you know skip ahead or turn the volume down or whatever um it's it, yeah spoiler alert so don't don't yell at us um we will be discussing spoilers of movies that we both know won't be spoiling movies that you haven't seen okay thank you um and you for me so no country for old men um the basic outline is of course that uh there's a drug deal gone wrong in the desert in the texas desert um i believe it's texas and uh i mean it's got it's made by the coen brothers so yeah it's got tommy lee jones in it it's got um uh josh brolin in it it's got uh uh, why am I blanking on his name? The, I'm terrible with names. Don't look at me. The uh, he, was, he was the bad guy in Spyfall. His character's name is Anton Chigur, Chigur. um, and he's uh, and it's his name is gonna come to me, um, but at any rate, he uh, he's the bad guy in this, and he's just, oh my god, he's terrifying. Woody Harrelson's in it, um, and it's. It just shows you how the the Coen brothers can write action, and it's it's. I mean, the shootout in the street scene is just fantastic. Um, so even when you see, so you'll see something that happens, and um, then you'll see it like the people getting to the scene of the thing that happened, like whatever hours later, and they're walking around going, "Well, what happened here? We know what happened here," and even in those scenes. It's it's you know you're still invested in it because of the acting. It's just great. It's spectacular acting, writing, filming, the cinematography in this movie. Oh my god, um, it's just an all around solid movie and some funny bits too because it's you know it's the Coen Brothers. A little bit of dark humor in there, but yeah, yeah. What about you? What about Jaws? All right, so Jaws. Uh, this was a bit of a nostalgia pick for me. Um, Believe it or not, my parents let me watch this all the time when I was a kid. It's probably because my dad absolutely loved the movie. Um, I haven't seen it in a while. I need to watch it again. But uh, it's about um, several shark attacks on a a beach. And essentially, um, they put a reward out on this giant shark. Um, So fishermen go out and try and catch and kill it. Eventually, if I'm my memory serves me correctly, uh, Chief Brody is the main. Uh, he's the like chief of police, and eventually he ends up hiring a fisherman. Um, and they also are accompanied by a marine biologist. Fortunately, I can't remember the characters' names at this time, but they all go out on a ship after this giant shark, and. Uh, yeah, we said we we're allowed to spoil. So if yeah, anyone yeah, hasn't seen this movie, also because this is an absolute classic, um, only yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's wrong with you? <laughs> but uh, go on. Uh, <clears throat> so, anyways, yeah, you know, 
they all go out on the boat. Um, there's some pretty big suspense scenes, uh, quite a bit of comedy between these three uh, pretty different characters. Um, I, I just love the story overall. The action's good with the shark. Yeah, I got to say, one of, the, one of the things I love um, about this movie is, for one, Richard Dreyfuss is amazing in this movie. All the actors are amazing. Um, the fact that they're, like, they were in, uh, what was it that I was reading le- recently? They're, um, where they were filming, like, in Martha's Vineyard, like, for one, you know, they got incredibly sick at one point, like, a bunch of the cast and crew. Um, for two, they actually filmed it in the ocean instead of in, like, a pool. Yeah. So, like, filming is just hectic in the ocean. Um, uh, the, the, the shooting star in that scene, there's a scene where they're on the boat in the middle of the night and a shooting star goes behind Chief Brody's head. Is an actual shooting star, um, that they just happened to catch on film. That's cool. I know, too, that, um, the scene where the shark gets tangled up with the cage, that's an actual great white shark. Yeah. And the only reason that the, the marine biologist lived was because he was supposed to be in the cage during that scene. Because when they filmed that shark getting tangled in the cage and they really liked that, there was no one in the cage during that. Yeah. So they had to have him leave the cage, which is when he was supposed to die. So that's the only reason why he lived in the end. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Like, th- yeah, the film is amazing. Um, it's uh, the, the story of the... Um, I forget the story that the uh, the fisherman I forget the name of the boat, but it's it's the actual ship that uh, transported um, like bomb parts for the Manhattan Project, which is uh, I mean it's a gripping scene. the The sound in that scene is amazing. The acting in that scene is amazing. Um, sound design overall in this it's just it's a great it's a fantastic movie. Um, and of course, my favorite part is the. Uh, or one of my favorite parts is the old uh, um, the vertigo shot that they get of Chief Brody when he realizes there's another attack happening on the beach. Like where, because I've always been fascinated with the shot when I was a little kid before I knew what it was. Um, where like you know they start screaming that there's a shark in the water and like it looks like the camera's getting closer to his face, but the background is like zooming out. Um, and what they what that's a film technique that's that was basically made famous through um, Hitchcock's Vertigo, where they like they zoom in on the uh, on the actor with a dolly, so they dolly forward on the actor, but they zoom out with the camera, so the camera's moving forward, but the lens is moving back and out. So the result is you get closer in the foreground, but the background like zooms out and you see more of it. So it's like this weird, like, that's why they use in Vertigo is because it kind of throws you off. It's this weird effect. And when they do it with, uh, with Brody, it's massive. Like it's, it's impossible not to notice. And, uh, like to do that, they move that dolly, you know, like 20 feet probably. Like it's, it's, you know, it was probably really far away, zoomed in really close on his face and they just rushed it forward and zoomed out at the same time. And you can do it with your phone. It's a, it's pretty cool. You have to like, you know, it's better with a high powered camera, but you can see the effect on your phone. So I just thought that's awesome. Yeah, Jaws definitely good, definitely good pick. Um, number four. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to number four. Um, right. So for me, number four, I got to go with uh, American Graffiti. 
um, which is uh, um, George Lucas's first film. Uh, and I only saw recently, like this past year, I saw it for the first time. Hmm. Alrighty, my number four is Monsters Inc. Cause who doesn't love Monsters Inc.? Yeah, yeah. That uh. All right, we'll get to my um. So uh, just real quick for um. So for American Graffiti, uh, you know, we talked about nostalgia. This is American Graffiti takes place in the in the fifties. And it's basically the last night before graduation for all these high school kids uh, where they're just, you know, enjoying their last night in town. Some of them are shipping off to, like, um, Richard Dreyfus is in this movie, just, you know, hearkening back to Jaws. Um, he's, again, fantastic in this movie. But it's a parallel storyline of, you know, this young couple who – you know, they win prize for like the best couple in school in prom or whatever, but they're having trouble because, you know, one wants to go off to college this way and the other wants to go off this way. And, you know, it's that classic tension of, are we going to stay together? It's high school relationships. Um, there's, you know, the really cool kid who graduated years ago, but is still in the same town, you know, and what's he doing with his life? uh there's like the and he's that character is great he's a you know he's a drag racer so he's you know the fastest in town and of course there's a there's a young guy who is coming into town and trying to find him and challenge him because he thinks he's faster and that character is played by none other than harrison ford and also has dice hanging from his rearview window as in a character who play shortly thereafter um and uh, and it's, you know, Richard Dreyfuss' character sees a girl that just passes by in a car and, like, waves at him and smiles. And he's like, spends the whole night trying to track her down and find her. Um, he's incredibly, you know, neurotic and what am I going to do and this and that. And it's just a great movie about, like, it's a coming-of-age film, but it's not a lame coming-of-age film because I usually hate those um but this one was great and it it was it was hilarious at times um uh just this isn't much of a spoiler but like there's you know one kid who's trying to impress a girl by getting alcohol and so he tries to like tell this kid this guy to go in and get him some booze and the guy goes yeah okay and he's like wait wait really he goes yeah and he goes inside and the kid's waiting outside giving the thumbs up to the girl and the guy runs out with like a fistful of cash and just tosses the booze to the guy and he goes run kid and he takes off and the shop owner comes out with a gun is like shooting after him and the kid's like oh shit. it's a hilarious movie there's um there's drama on it there's some action there's a lot of comedy and like the whole film basically takes place in like three different storylines of people all riding around this town and it takes place over one night um all riding around the cars it's classic cars like the music the most of their budget was spent on getting the rights of the music because there's music is a whole part of it so it's a callback to the 50s and it's a feel-good film about the 50s um and the ending is a very sweet ending and um sweet and dramatic and action-packed and everything uh it's a it's a great movie. I watched it once and thought that's yeah, definitely on my list. Awesome. Alrighty, so my number four, Monsters Inc. Um, let's see. This is another childhood nostalgia. I'm sure it is for just about anyone else uh, about our age. Um, so the reason I really like this movie is, well, I mean, first off, it just has a 
great story. I think any kid can like um, just the creativity in it, the idea that, you know, monsters come in, you know, and scare you. And then it kind of just puts like a different angle to it where, you know, they're doing this to gain energy. Um, I really enjoy kind of a little bit of the message in it too because it does kind of go with like um, how like the crab who owned Monsters, Inc., like it kind of gets into like kind of the corruptness of corporations and yeah. how they're like fighting for like efficiency and just doing anything for profits, not really caring about the morality of anything that they do and how they also um, had misinformation, like how children were like deadly to yeah. monsters, and, like the twenty three nineteen was. <laughs> yeah, twenty three nineteen. Uh, so yeah, I just great story. Great for I think and all ages and yeah. You have any, any comment on this I, one? I love this movie. I I love Monsters Inc. Also because I love John Goodman. He voices Sully, but like every character in this movie is hilarious. Um, freaking Randall, uh, <laughs> Sully. You know Mike Wazowski. I love. I just love this movie in general. And like you said, yeah, I like the message too. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than it's heartwarming and it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just I just, crack up thinking about it. Um, and of course, you can't deny the memes it's gotten, it's given us. But uh, so it, it just, it, this, uh, this is some one I watched um, throughout my entire childhood. And uh, I still cry at the end when the sliver of I was just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, it still brings a tear to to my eye. Um, yeah, and he finds it, and makes the door again, all that. Um, yeah, it's it's great, and I love the uh, I love that there's so much more to it too, with like the expanded universe of Pixar films. That you know, in the movie, you can see. Uh, what is it like the 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 delivery car from uh from Toy Story the pizza delivery car from Toy Story in there the uh, the ball with the star on it yeah. yeah yeah the ball with the stars on it is there too um the house that Randall gets sent to where he gets whooped because they think he's a gator um that house is also in one of the Pixar films I can't remember and there's some whole expanded universe theory of that um that uh the girl isn't it boo or does she yeah, call they call her boo yeah we boo. don't know her actual name but she kept saying boo to the monsters so yeah i just thought her name was boo yeah that that boo um is uh is the witch from um what do you call it we're from the the, the scottish princess movie what is it it's, oh. it's not um it's not enchanted brave yeah brave is the witch from brave because she like takes place in time travel and has a drawing of sully in her cave and Whoa. that she used the doors as time travel and stuff like that. It's whole complicated. Look it up. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, I just love that there's so much to this. And it sends a message to kids that don't trust corporations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great, solid movie. Um, let's switch it up. You, you, you say yours first. All right. My number three is Groundhog Day. Dang it, I just remembered Caddyshack. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Okay. All right, we're going to move on. Um, uh, okay, my, my number three is The Dark Knight. 
Ooh. Uh, all right, so why don't you start us off with Caddyshack? Groundhog Day. With with Groundhog Day. All righty, so Groundhog Day. Um, I actually watched this one just recently for the first time. I'd always like... Really? Yeah, I've huh. always kind of heard of it. I was like, I, I'd never really just taken the step to watch it. I saw it on Netflix. I was like, hey, I like Bill Murray. I'll watch this movie. So I watched it. was absolutely blown away uh it was a really great feel-good movie um essentially if you don't know the story it's about uh bill murray who is a arrogant weatherman um and he always has to go report on uh well groundhog day and so he goes down to puxatani and uh with along with uh his cameraman and um shoot what role there's another girl there who was, I don't know if she's like a co-reporter, just like some kind of manager, but this other lady. And uh, essentially he reports, they start driving back when a giant snowstorm comes in. They have forced to turn back around, even though he just wants to leave and go home. He wakes up the next morning, except it's the same morning and it's Groundhog's, uh, Groundhog Day all over again. And essentially he keeps reliving the same day, so... Um, at first he, you kind of get a lot of that Bill Murray humor where he's just going around and kind of, well, first he gets like panicked about it. Then eventually once he kind of figures out what's going on, he starts just kind of having fun with it. So he starts like, he like robs like one of those really like secure, uh, trucks and like goes and blows a ton of money on stuff. Uh, he starts like messing with different people. Um, and then eventually he just gets this is one of the things i liked about too just like with the more kind of story basis and just morality of it is uh that as he lives and kind of has this feeling of like no repercussions um eventually he just gets bored with doing all of those things like just stealing things or going and sleeping with random women because he gets as many tries as possible and they won't remember the next day because it's the same day and eventually gets bored with all of that and then he actually goes through and just starts like chatting with different people in the town and like kind of becoming friends with everyone and getting to know them until eventually he starts trying to um get with the other newswoman who he rode with and he basically just tries over and over and over again and he can't and eventually he actually falls in love with her as well. And so the ending, he, he it just kind of goes through this whole story arc of, okay, at first, like, I can do whatever with no repercussions. Then he kind of gets hopeless. And then he kind of finds some sort of morality just with being stuck in that same place over and over and, you know, realizing what's really important in life. So. Yeah. Yeah, that that I love the message in the movie. I also I gotta say, it's been a while since I've seen this one, um, and like the only part I really remember is when he's basically like just keeps dying over and over again. Yeah, but he keeps waking up. And one my, of my favorite, favorite montages. Yeah, my favorite is when he steals the groundhog. And it's driving the car, and he's just going, don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. And then, like, he's super calm, and it goes over a cliff and what. That, I, I died. That's burned into my memory. Um, yeah, I, I remember really liking the movie. I, I, need to, I need to watch it again. Yeah, that was a great just feel-good movie. Just afterwards, I was, yeah, it's a classic I was blown Bill Murray. away. So that, it was like an unexpected 
just a little gem there of my day. Yeah. Um, for my third one, The Dark Knight, uh, obviously the uh, is the second film in the the Christopher Nolan um, Dark Knight trilogy. It is my favorite superhero film. Um, I've loved it since I saw it first in 2009. Um, like I, it came out in 2008, but I'm pretty sure I wasn't allowed to see it until a little bit later. Um, but the movie, I mean, my God, it's full of spectacular performances from, you know, Morgan Freeman and um, Sir Michael Caine and um, Christian Bale, of course. But, and, oh, I mean, uh, not to mention, um, and now I'm going to forget his name, Commissioner Gordon. No, oh. Commissioner Gordon. Oh, shoot. No, why am I forgetting names today? Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'll remember it, remember it as long along with um, the other guy, uh, whose last name starts with a B. I'm pretty sure, but uh, the uh, I mean the the person who steals the show, of course, is Heath Ledger as the Joker. Um, I always loved the Joker. He's always been my favorite villain, uh, and. I mean, Heath Ledger's performance in the movie just just dominates everything. And I'm so excited to see the new Joker movie that comes out. It's coming out on October 4th. Um, but, I, I mean, just... Uh, Ledger just tops everything. And it, it gets me every time I watch this movie. Uh, I still get chills. It's fantastic. It has a great message, too, of, you know... The good guys don't necessarily always win, so you have to you have to accept that. And by accepting that, you kind of make it more likely that you will win, um, and that you have to be aware of the fact that you yourself can be susceptible to all the evil in the world. You know, Harvey Dent falls as the White Knight, um, and my mom hates this movie. Absolutely hates this movie, and mm-hmm. I. I, I yeah, she despises it. I get into it with her um, over this movie, and uh, my my uh, um, my professor, who I uh, uh, he had a I had him for like intro to film, and he of course likes this movie because he's well versed in what makes a good movie. He knows what he's talking about. Um, this will be broadcasting on WOCR, so. Shout out to that professor. You know who you are. Um, and uh, we discussed this. My mom says the movie is horrible because it, uh, it's, it's so bleak. It stabs you in the heart. And then it offers you a little cupcake to try and make up for getting stabbed in the heart because Gotham loses in the end. Like humanity sinks. And, so, and my point is humanity doesn't sink. Gotham doesn't lose. Um it loses its, and I wrote a paper on this, um, not a long one, but just a little argument on the fact that uh, the Joker does break the best of Gotham, quote-unquote, being Harvey Dent. Um, but the entirety of Gotham, as a whole, as a collective, refuses to fall. And so the point being, we are stronger than just the best of us. 
it's not, you know, it's not the fact of, oh, well, you know, we look up to one person, that person represents the best of us. And if that person falls, then we've all failed. It's that we as a collective are stronger than any individual. So Harvey Dent falls because he had all this stuff, like, you know, all this tragedy put on him. Sure. Yeah, it would break any person. But, you know, when faced with the demise of your children, yourself, your loved ones, you can save yourself by killing prisoners who have, you know, done crimes, violent crimes, all that stuff. The people don't. They, they stick to their humanity and they refuse to fall. And that, that is the message. That's the one that, that ends it. Um, but of course, I still love the Joker. Uh, that, I mean, and again, to talk about the cinematography and the mise-en-scene of this um, movie, like the framing and everything, it's perfect and the scene that always stands out to me is the final scene where um batman has uh batman has uh, the joker on like the little pulley when he catches him from when he's like he's he throws him off the roof and he shoots him with a grappling hook and pulls him up and the camera just rotates around so that the joker is upside down but in the frame he's right side up and it kind of puts us in his point of view of the whole world is wrong, but from our point of view, it's right. And that, you know, the Joker, what he's doing is wrong, but from his point of view, it's right. And I love uh, Christopher Nolan. My God, he just tops everything. Um, I also just want to say the, the interrogation scene in that movie is fantastic. And he uses a technique that horror people use and that I hate that is overused and it's one of my complaints about um american horror story is that the 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 camera is constantly at a cant it's always got like a 45 degree little tilt to it um and it's meant to throw you off and make it feel like wrong but when the whole thing's filmed like that it just gets annoying but in the dark night when batman loses it and he, because the Joker mentions Rachel, he just loses it and he flips him over and slams him onto the table and is about to do some real damage to this dude and maybe break his rule. We see Batman lose it and the camera tilts just a little bit as he flips him over onto the table. And that's the subliminal effect of the Dutch angle. And I will argue to the death about that. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, this film, ah. Uh, Anything to say about it? I mean, I, 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 I think you covered yeah. just about everything. <laughs> I think all I can do at this point is back you up. So, I mean, Batman's my favorite superhero. Which, on a side note, what's your favorite superhero? Who's your favorite superhero? I'd probably have to go with the Flash. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about it, definitely. Yeah, it definitely have to be the Flash. I know the look you're giving me, and I'm not gonna say it. Okay, I'm thank glad, you. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's the, it's the, it's the Flash. You know, it's all right. It's all right. Um, aren't you happy I reversed that question to you? I, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's a little. Uh, we'll get into that later. A little inside joke there, but the um, yeah, God, what a great, what a great movie. Um, all right. Number two, number two. Go ahead, Wade. All righty. My number two is The Shawshank Redemption. Now, I haven't seen this movie. What? I know. I know. Are you serious? I need to watch this movie. All right. I guess we, we've both had one now. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, my second, my number two is uh, The Big Lebowski. Yeah. All right. You start us off. 
Alrighty, so the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I, I think most people have seen this. Obviously not everyone. Yeah, might be. Yeah, go on. <laughs> but so anyways, uh, essentially this movie is about um, a man who is uh, wrongfully accused and uh, found guilty of murdering his wife and is sent to uh, life in prison, um, in Shawshank prison. And essentially, uh, while he's there, he becomes friends with several other uh, inmates, uh, one of which his name is Red, who was played by Morgan Freeman. And I think this movie touches a lot on kind of, uh, oh yeah, I can't spoil it for you. How much do you know about it? Uh, I, I, I know the classic scene of him escaping at the end. I know there's something about um, a box by a tree, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, I know it's Andy Dufresne. I know that's, that's okay. his name. All right. Well, okay. I want because I feel like a lot of the adventure is kind of discovering how he does it. Like yeah. It's kind of the big reveal. Um, so I won't get too into that, but the way he does it is just like so clever and you just don't really see it. I do know the scene of them like he's not in the cell and then it's behind the poster. I know that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I sadly that has been spoiled for me, which I know is the classic complaint of people is there's no way he could have put the poster back up and have it be as taut as it was to have a rock go through it. You know, if you throw it hard enough. Yeah, but it, like the way the way he throw the guy throws it doesn't seem hard enough to break it. I know that's a big complaint of people. Which, if that's your biggest complaint about the movie, it's come a on, good movie. come on, guys, come on. I I hate that. But yeah, go on. Well, anyways, um, so it kind of it it really hits a lot of big key kind of things about the prison system, and how it doesn't always get things right. Uh, some people are punished for things that they didn't do um and it also um talks about eventually gets into the warden of the prison started having them do manual labor uh was taking other people's like jobs because they were doing like road work and construction and things which was taking away from other people who do do those jobs then the warden was actually getting paid for it as well so that was the warden was a terrible dude, basically. Which is a real thing that actually happens. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of another thing, too, is like uh, eventually you, you you learn a lot of things throughout it. But uh, he actually kind of through prison, it makes him actually like break the law eventually. But um, I guess most of it just hits on kind of the cruelty of prison and um also oh yes so eventually uh some of the older inmates do get the opportunity to uh leave prison and it kind of goes into their life afterwards and how they like can't really get a job how um just every like after so many years like everything's changed where i think one of the older guys he it was like rare for him to see like a car go down the road and now they're like everywhere when he gets out uh he begins working as like a bagger at a grocery store and it's kind of hard for him to keep up with things um 
another inmate as well, uh, like mentions that he, he actually can't go to the bathroom without asking the manager first if he can go to the bathroom. So, yeah, so it kind of shows that struggle, too, that inmates have, like, after they leave, even if they've kind of been regretting all the things that they've done for so many years, you know, and a lot of them did it when they were very young as well, and, you know, they've known it was a mistake, and then by the time they get put back into society, um, they just can't function because so many things have changed, and they've been so institutionalized. Yeah. There was there's actually a story that I heard recently, and I forget the the details of it, but it was something like some guy went into prison in like 1912 and wasn't released until like 1985 or something. So could you imagine you spend your whole life behind bars, you get released, like you go in at 1912 and you see the world from behind bars, like you go through two world wars, presidential assassination, you know the Watergate scandal, Vietnam War, like that whole thing. Could you imagine? Imagine coming out and having the like the internet. Yeah, invented. exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like like that. Like he went in because I remember specifically thinking because I again I don't remember the semantics, but like he was behind bars for both world wars, and then when he got out, like cell phones were a thing. The internet was starting to do its thing. Like, God, I mean, at that point. But that, that's a little beside the point. The thing I do know about this movie is uh, that it's written originally by Stephen King, who we are both adoring fans of. I have not read the book. I really want to and need to, but I have heard the two are quite different. Yeah, I heard that the both book good, like but... doesn't really focus on the prison aspect as much, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. That it's mainly about his life, and then like he goes to prison, and it's not much about the prison. Um, but yeah, I want to read the book, too, and watch the movie. Um, so, uh, The Big Lebowski, my number two pick, is, uh, got another movie by the Coen brothers, which, again, just goes to show how, um, one of the reasons they are one of my favorite directing duos, directors at all. They have such a range from, you know, hardcore action, violent action, to the comedy that is The Big Lebowski. And, uh, I forget, have you seen it? Uh, I've seen most of it. Yeah. The, uh, but the, the basic premise is, you know, there's a character who gets, um, his rug peed on cause he gets mistaken for someone who owes these gangsters money and his, uh, from there he just tries and gets his rug back and he gets involved in a whole mess of trouble between multiple parties of so-and-so owes so-and-so money, um, and like the guy who the gangsters thought he was his wife gets kidnapped and he gets hired to try and find the wife um and it just gets i mean uh john goodman's in it fantastic jeff bridges in it fantastic steve buscemi's in it fantastic um and uh it's it's just hilarious and it's a massive farce and it's him getting dragged along where he doesn't want to go he gets wrapped up in this whole adventure and it's just so funny um and we've my parents gave it to me for my like 10th birthday or something which (laughs) giving that movie to a 10 year old it's like oh my god like can you imagine and that implies that i already watched it before then and loved it so i was probably nine so yeah this movie was a massive part of my childhood 
we we watch it basically every year it's like a tradition to watch this movie um philip seymour hoffman's in it too is i mean just um and uh it's 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 just hilarious and uh, I, I love the Coen brothers humor. I love the, um, again, the filming of it is fantastic. Their camera work. Um, and it's, the writing is just non-comparable to anything else. And it's, uh, it's, it's a good, it's actually inspired a, uh, what is it? Uh, the religion of like the, the dudes, like dudism is now <laughs> a religion as a result of this movie. Um, and it's all about being chill and taking it slow, uh, which, the dude is all about um yeah it's it's as old as i am it came out in 1998 yeah i, I mean I, I love that movie as you can tell by it being the second on my list um there's nothing i can say that will you just have to watch this movie you, you can't you can't do anything else but watch this movie and you know we have a mutual friend who watched it with his family for the first time um hated it cuz his family hated it and I convinced him just recently to rewatch it, give it another chance. Um, he did. Found it very funny. Um, doesn't love it as much as I do, but he he enjoyed it. So I, you know, it it, it turned him around once you once you really watch the movie for it for what it really has to offer. Um, it broke the record for the amount of f bombs dropped and variations of the f word for for its time. The record has since been passed, but it is. Um, <laughs> He really, he really let loose with those, and it's, oh God, it's so funny. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's probably it for uh, the second one. Um, why don't we do our honorary mentions before we go on to number one? Ooh, building suspense. I like it. Yeah. All right, are we going back and forth with these? Yeah. Uh, well, we'll do we'll do a quick little lightning round of what it is and why we like it. All right. So, uh, my first honorary mention, uh, I did uh, Avengers Endgame. Um. I don't know if it's particularly my favorite movie from, like, the MCU, but I feel like I just had to put uh, that as almost representing the MCU just after all they've done all the way back since Iron Man. They've gone on the span. They've built this giant, complex world and storyline that uh, has never really been seen in film history. So I think that's going to be something that maybe... Many years down the line, we're going to look back and be like, I can't believe they put this whole like movie universe together. Like, oh, yeah. It's a cinematic masterpiece. It, it really is. Even if you whole... don't like superhero movies, you have to appreciate the amount of effort and money and time that went into this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree with that. I love Endgame was, uh, was fantastic. Um, yeah, it's a great movie as well. Very emotional, and we've all been with these characters for so long. Yeah, you can't watch the movie if you haven't watched all the other movies before. I remember some someone critiqued uh, Infinity War because they said it didn't do enough of a job in introducing all the characters. It just kind of threw them all together. And people were like, yeah, you That's... had like nine movies before that that you had to watch in order to understand it. Like, how are you not? So, yeah. I uh, I love Endgame. Endgame was great. Um, the first on my honorable mentions, we have three honorable mentions apiece. First on my honorable mentions is The Godfather. Oh, of I course. mean, it's the classic mob movie. Uh, if I was stranded on a desert island, that's how I picked these. I thought if I was stranded on a desert island, what movies would I have to bring? The Godfather is definitely, I mean, 
I still am not sure that it doesn't belong on this list, replacing one of these somewhere. Um, it's the quintessential mob movie, and the soundtrack is amazing. Story arc of uh, Michael Corleone is amazing. The acting just of every single person in that movie is phenomenal, and it, it keeps you it keeps you on your toes throughout the whole thing. If you can get past the slightly boring intro, uh, it is fantastic i want to read the book mario puzo's um all right what's your second one all right my second one is uh pale rider this is have you heard of this i don't think i've even heard of this it's one one of the lesser uh known but one of my favorite clint eastwood movies like one of his westerns so um i kind of did pick this as well just kind of representing like the clint eastwood western movies because i love like all of them um but no, Pale Rider. So um, basically, it's about uh, this town that's this gold mining company is like trying to kick everyone out. And then this Pale Rider comes along who's just a preacher and played by Clint Eastwood. And he just comes into the town. He starts doing good for the people and he's able to kind of like fend off. It's like classic yeah, Western yeah, yeah. storyline. Samurai but, style. Yeah. 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 I, I just. I just love the old classic Western movies, and I feel like that that one's probably huh. might just be the top one for me. All right. Um, my second one, and again, there's so many other movies that we're not going to mention that are just deserving of mentioning. Um, but we got to stick with the we got to stick with what we stuck with. Um, I have for my second mention, uh, Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Um, have you? I haven't seen either of those actually. Well, no, no, they're, they're, it's the same movie. Oh, that's, okay. It's, it's a sub thing. It's called Doctor Strange Love or How I Stopped. Uh, that's right. That's right. Now I remember like seeing that yeah. movie store or something. Um, made by um, Stanley Kubrick. Um, yes, yeah, Stanley Kubrick. I for some reason thought it was made by Steven Spielberg for a moment. No, it's it's Kubrick, um, and it's just <laughs> Slim Pickens, isn't it? Um, I mean, I can't rave about this movie enough. Um, who played who played the Pink Panther, the original Pink Panther, and why am I blanking? Oh, no, I don't know. I, I don't know thing on names. Movie. I'm gonna add a little tag at the end of this of all the names that I forgot. Um, but uh, and it's atrocious that I can't remember. But he plays three different characters in it. He plays the the president of the United States. He plays uh, an RAF um, uh, wing commander, and he plays a German scientist. And the whole movie is just hilarious and full of uh, improvised scenes and fantastic dialogue. It's all in black and white. Um, if you don't know what the movie's about, it's basically about a rogue uh, military commander during the world uh, during the Cold War who sends all the bomb squadrons that uh, were in the air that are during the fifties and sixties and seventies were actually constantly circling and ready to like drop a bomb on Russia at any moment. Um, and he sends his wing, uh, the, uh, like the go code so that they, they all go and attack their targets in Russia. And there is no way to call them back because of the situation that he set up, he like shut out all the fail safe procedures. And actually after the movie came out, the military changed their thing because they said that could actually happen. 
Um, oh man! And so they like change the way that it's all set up. There's like a disclaimer at the beginning that says that like the United States military has said that this can't, but then like later they came out and said it actually could. So we're gonna change it. Um, the uh, what is it? The creators of the movie. Um, well, before I get into it, so that's basically what they do is uh, the whole movie is about trying to call these bombers back and um, focuses on one bomber in particular. Uh, and of course, it's split across three different storylines, uh, A, B, and C plots. Um, one bomber in particular, <laughs> just remembered one of the one of the members, one of the soldiers' names is Colonel Bat Guano. <laughs> he goes, if that really is your real name. Um, sorry, the uh, one of the bombs in particular, which is Bat Poop. One of the bombs and bombers in particular, it focuses on. Um, that has Slim Pickens as the pilot. And if you don't know Slim Pickens, he's uh, he's like a Texas actor, and his character wears a cowboy hat and talks, you know, like, well, shoot, this ain't the way we're going out, then it's the way we're going out. Like, he talks like that, and when he arrived on set, people thought he was already in character because he had the cowboy hat and, like, the, the boots and everything, but they said, no, that's actually how he talks and the way he dresses. Like, that's really <laughs> him. So how you see him in the movie is actually how he is. Um, he's hilarious. Uh, the movie came out actually like a week after JFK was shot in 1963. So one of the lines had to be changed because it said a guy could have a good time in Dallas with all this stuff, but they actually had to change it because he Kennedy was shot in Dallas. So it became a guy could have a good time in Vegas with all this stuff. But you, if you look closely at his mouth, you can see him say Dallas. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not a brand new movie. Um, and it's, it's hilarious. Uh, there's even scenes where, um, the uh one of the characters is like it basically just improvised they just let the camera roll and he would improvise and the um uh you can see the actors in the background like looking down and biting their lips and see them like smiling because they're trying not to laugh because they have never seen him do this before and he's just winging it um one scene it cuts like the final scene cuts very quickly after the last sign is said because um or one of the final scenes because like it was improvised and everyone on set just started dying laughing. And so they had to cut it really quickly because they just started laughing. Um, it's a hilarious movie. And the, uh, the, they recreated the B 20, the B 29. I think it's B 29 or B 25. Um, no, B 52. Sorry. The B 52 bombers of the flying fortresses that they use in the movie, they recreated the interior of it. But because the U.S. military, for obvious reasons, reasons couldn't give some random filmmakers the blueprints to a B-52, like, they had to basically just go off of this photo that was in a British magazine of the interior, and they created it so closely to what it actually is that they got investigated by the FBI. Oh, my goodness. They also filmed uh, footage over the Arctic, like, uh, to get, or, like, yeah, I think it's Arctic or Green, no, it's Greenland didn't fly all the way to the arctic they flew it over greenland with a camera and just filmed so that they could have uh like put it on the blue screen and look as if the plane is flying through the through greenland and they accidentally filmed a secret air force base so they got contacted by like the fbi again and they had to destroy the footage like they just accidentally stumbled across this so the movie's got a bunch of you know like a bunch of history behind it 
Um, the war room, quote unquote, in the Pentagon is a thing that is in the movie. And uh, supposedly Ronald Reagan, when he got to the White House, said, I want to see the war room. And they were like, there is no war room. There's, <laughs> that's not an actual thing. And he's like, I saw it in Dr. Strangelove. They said, no, that's not a real thing. We have no war room. And so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great film with a lot of great history. Um, that was way too long for an honorable mention. Take your last one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my last honorable mention is Fight Club. And uh, I still have to see this one, too. What? I know. I'm a big Brad Pitt fan, too. I, I don't know why. Oh, I know, man. I can't, I'm sorry. I can't spoil it, then. Yeah, no. I mean, I... Do you know I, the spoiler? I sadly know the spoiler, yeah. Oh, that's but, I mean, so I think I know part of it. Uh, I, I've seen the clip of, like, buildings falling down. Okay, is that all you've seen? Yeah, I don't know the full-blown reason behind all of it. Okay. I think I do, but I'm not gonna stay yeah. away from the internet until you see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I need to. That's okay. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> All right. So, uh, first rule: we can't talk about it. So you want? No, I'm kidding. Just Brad Pitt is fantastic in it. Uh, the story is just kind of gritty, but it's very. It's just so interesting. You yeah. get so involved with it, and it just escalates and i'm really trying not to spoil it yeah, yeah but um the the plot twist is just like one of the main things that just absolutely gets you in something that just blows you away so um just the reveal at the end it's it's i don't know if i can think of another one that compares it's it's I think it's a little bit better than Shawshank Redemptions, mm. so which is another one you haven't seen. Might be. Oh man. What about the Sixth Sense? Oh my God, it's been so long since I've seen that. I haven't seen it, but I know the twist at the end. Oh, I do know the twist at the end too. I I I think the last time I saw that, I was like six years old when we had like the little drop-down TV in our minivan. You watch that at six. Something like that. Maybe I was like seven there's or eight. Some, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, there's. A, it's also a gruesome movie. <laughs> oh man, it is. I'm just remembering. Kid, like, blows like, his head off. My parents let. My parents were fine with me watching any movie as long as it didn't have like nudity in it. And that's America for you. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna get into that. Yeah, my, I turned out okay. My mom wasn't. My dad was. My dad watched. Let us watch whatever we wanted, so long as my mom didn't find out. Which I think I watched like did. Terminator for the first time when I was like four. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like a child's brain too like filters out a lot of stuff. Like honestly, I've watched movies that I watched when I was like seven or so, and I'd be like. Oh my god! Like the number of inappropriate jokes and yeah, swearing it goes right in over it, your like head. yeah, I didn't notice like any of. It. I just like watch the action, be like, oh cool, they're shooting guns and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, and it's the exact opposite in Europe and the rest of the world. Like they they'll show nudity like no problem, but violence is restricted because really, in the long run, what's more damaging to a child? Um, but that again is a topic for another day. Um, Fight Club. Fight Club, yes. So, just you gotta watch it. Yeah. You gotta watch it. Yeah. Brad Pitt's outstanding in it. The story is just so different from anything else and intriguing. It's just a beautiful movie. You got you gotta watch it. Yeah. I think I'm going to be a uh, Brad Pitt's character for Halloween. My my character in um, what do you call it in uh uh 
one of our RPGs, um, our we're nerds. Uh, one of our Dungeons and Dragons campaign, uh, Mickey McCreed, was inspired by a Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt fighting character, just from a different movie, from Snatch. Um, I haven't seen that one. Th- that one should be on my honorable mention list. It was more than th- it should be. You on mentioned it. <laughs> um, my bad. Uh, God, what a great. Anyway, um, my third and final one is Pulp Fiction. Uh, of course. Just because, I mean, it's an atrocity that there's no Tarantino on this list. Um, and I had to throw him on there because Tarantino was one of my favorite directors. I mean, he just, it's just phenomenal in every way. Pulp Fiction balances the uh, the fractured storyline, so told out of sync, mm-hmm. and the parallel storyline of multiple stories that make sense tied together. Um, there's too many great scenes and moments to list. Uh, there's so much of a, I mean, the fact that Tarantino has a universe, so it all exists in the same universe, is amazing. The fact that uh, there's like nods and theories about other movies that he's made, um, and just so much trivia behind this movie, it's it's impossible to go into. The one I will mention though is in the movie they mentioned that uh, Uma Thurman, one of my favorite actresses, um, was filmed a tv pilot a failed tv pilot about like six female assassins or whatever and the theory is the tv pilot she filmed was kill bill that the kill bill movie is the tv pilot because she has other female assassins and uh that um and that she says like hers or like dealt with knives or something and her character in kill bill is a katana yeah it's a it's got a lot behind it um the movie's hilarious, action-packed, like twists and turns throughout the whole thing. An all-star cast. Everything about this movie is fantastic. Right, I love Quentin Tarantino's movies. They're all fantastic, and I like a lot of them too because some of them don't really have like – it's not like a basic plot that you would think of. A lot of times it's just like a really – interesting story that yeah. you get like a good snippet of you yeah. know yeah he 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 does open frame narratives really well where you watch things and not everything has an explanation um things kind of just like people wander in and then they wander out like Uma Thurman's character you know the whole overdose scene and everything like it, she's a big part of the first part and then the last time you see her is when she's in the doorway and John Travolta's like, how are you? And she's like, I'm good. And then never see her again throughout the whole movie. You don't know what happens to her. You know, none of that. It's a great, I mean, phenomenal. $5 milkshake. Uh, <laughs> what a great, which also, the last thing I'll mention about this movie is the um, the the scene where she's overdosing and he stabs her with the uh, the adrenaline in the heart. Oof, yes. Um, the way they filmed it was they had a needle like in her chest and he just pulled it out and they reversed it so it looks like it's going in. So like they didn't have it like in her heart, but they had like like a small needle in her chest and oh then my they just God. pulled it out so it looks like bam. Yeah. It's props to ooh. Uma Thurman there, dedication to the Well even the the even bigger than that is in in Inglorious Bastards, um do I have to bleep that? What? Oh, you might have to bleep that. I'll ask. I'll ask my professor. Um, if that if that word is bleeped, then you know you know what movie I'm talking about. Um, the uh, 
shoot. Uh, so, uh, in that in that movie, when um, what's her name, uh, Frau von Hammersmark, uh, the woman in the, like the the British spy in uh, in Germany, remember oh, how yes. she gets choked out? Um, oh yes, yes, I did hear this. Yeah, one, I told actually. you that. Yeah, that uh, that those are actually Quentin Tarantino's hands, and that he's actually choking her. Mm-hmm. That she wanted to actually be choked um, to like make it seem real. And she only trusted him to do it. So he just put on a, you know, SS coat and choked. Like, that's, I mean, wow. Um, dedication. Uh, let's let's move on to the last, to the final, our, our first pick. Uh, do you want to go first or should I? Uh, you go first. You switched on me, so I'm switching it back on to you. My first pick, uh, my favorite movie is American Beauty. Haven't seen it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. I know. I know you haven't. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. We'll we'll discuss it. What what's yours? Let's fill me in. All right. I I had to go with a lot of this is childhood nostalgia, as I think it would be for most people. But got to go with a new hope. Okay. Yeah. I can agree with that. I'll uh I'll, I'll I'll go first. Um, so, American Beauty, since the first time I saw it, has been my favorite movie. It topped off that list. Um, it's again, it's funny. It's a compelling story. Uh, for those of you don't who don't know the the basic story is uh about a um a suburban dad. He has a wife and a daughter, and he uh, is very unsatisfied with his life because he used to be. You know, he used to be a cool guy and sort of a reckless guy and had fun. And um, now he's married and he works in some office somewhere and he hates it. His wife and him don't get along. He doesn't know anything about his daughter, like who she really is. Um, His family is just kind of like dysfunctional and falling apart. Uh, He meets his daughter's friend, uh, who's obviously like a 16-year-old girl. And he is like he he's like he's fifty or something. He's in the he's in midlife crisis essentially throughout the whole movie, um, and he becomes taken with the idea of sleeping with his daughter's friend, and so that's like the setup to the movie, and um, throughout it he basically is going through this change where he's trying to regain that sense of wonder in the world and like the sense of having fun in his life. And um, and then, of course, there's an A and there's a B and a C plot that are also equally as compelling. Um, basically, this movie, it's not action-packed. It's, it's, it's a drama. It's funny at points. There's dark humor at points. And there's um, physical humor. It's, but uh, what, what I love about the movie is that it, it takes everything I believe about life and like what's important of life and all that and just kind of wraps it up and presents it to you with like a nice little bow on top. Um, that's, that's what this movie is for me is, uh, so instead, if you, if you don't want to listen to the first episode of us prattling on, just watch American beauty and you'll get my personal view on what's important in life and, uh, what life is, um, especially the final five minutes, the whole of the whole movie it's it's pretty uh, yeah so you got to be in a particular mood you got to be ready to think you got to be ready to to feel um 
if you want to watch the movie. Uh, now, again, that setup of 45, 50-year-old man wanting to you know, sleep with his daughter's 16-year-old friend is really weird. Um, that's only what it is on the surface. That's only the thing that really kind of kicks this movie off. But it, it it goes somewhere, you know, else from there. Um, that is a part of the movie, but it's just a small part. So don't let that discourage you from watching it. Um, the other part was this stars Kevin Spacey, who has recently fallen from grace for obvious reasons and for very valid reasons. Um We've talked about this. I don't know if you and I in particular have talked about this. I think we have a little, yeah. maybe not as extensively as you have with other people. But, but the uh, my opinion is I'm a very big proponent of separating the the actor or the creator, the artist from the art. Um, so I think that just because the artist is, no swears, is a very bad person and is just, you know, deplorable, that doesn't make the art any less valid. So he portrayed the character, but it was written by, filmed uh, by, like, you know, all of these different people went into making this movie. So it's not just him. Uh, and he gives a spectacular performance in it, too. Um, so you can't really, you can't really deny that. Um, so after that, those allegations, that really kind of was difficult for me to face the fact that the main actor in my favorite movie is this person but i came to the conclusion that it doesn't it doesn't devaluate the movie at all so yeah it uh, it uh it calms me whenever i'm upset and everything if i watch this movie it really it puts me in a good place that's the effect that it has on me i'll hand it over to you all righty so my number one uh, i did a new hope star wars um a lot of this, I will admit, is childhood nostalgia. I mean, Star Wars was a pretty big part of my childhood. I mean, just growing up at, you know, Star Wars Legos, me and my brother would, like, have our toy lightsabers and reenact fights from the movies and things. Um, I suppose I chose uh, New Hope uh, mainly because I'm a pretty big just original trilogy guy in general but you know new hope kicked it off um of course it's got obi-wan in it old ben kenobi um han solo with his kind of roguish smuggler i i mean harrison ford was just perfect actor for that role and actually i think you've heard this but uh he was never actually, he never auditioned for the role. He was actually asked to help with casting for uh, Princess Leia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he was reading lines back and forth with different actresses who were auditioning for Princess Leia. He was reading Han Solo's line. And eventually they cast for Han Solo and they're like, you know what? I really liked how you read his lines. Like, do you want the part? And he said yes, which, thank goodness. I think he he originally, oh yeah, because it was, uh, that's, that's, I remember that because I'm pretty sure it was that George Lucas didn't want to use people he'd used before mm -hmm. and because he used him and as mentioned before American Graffiti he wanted to like to go and use like lesser known people um, but you know they just were eventually like you're the perfect one for this how can we not yeah, yeah yeah I did read that I actually found I don't know where like on YouTube there's like this like 
black and white footage. I think it was actually someone filming like a TV screen of it too, but it was Carrie Fisher's reading for Leia that she was doing with um, Harrison Ford, which was really cool to see like her auditioning for the role. So yeah. it was like them two speaking lines yeah. for the first time. Ooh. Oh, God. Uh, but yes, going on from that, uh, the effects for this movie when at the time it came out were absolutely amazing. Um, great, just kind of classic heroic storyline. Um, <clears throat> just um, and this obviously came from more so the books, but just like the idea of like the Star Wars universe and the Force and. Um, kind of that happened so long ago, but it's almost like a sci-fi fantasy world. Yeah. It's just a really interesting world that over the years has absolutely grown as well. Um, but yeah, no, just, a. yeah, I love new hope. Um, <clears throat> I love the introduction of Vader is oh, yes. spectacular. That scene where he just from the moment he walks through, he just dominates. Um, I, also love uh it's probably my favorite scene in new hope and uh one of my favorite scenes in all star wars movies is in the cantina where um where obi-wan just whips out the lightsaber and just hat like you know you see it for the first time in action where he cuts the guy's arm off like that is the first time you see the damage a lightsaber can do and it's amazing and it's, it's just fantastic and on a side note Han shot first. Of we're, course. Not, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna get into the morality of it. I'm just gonna say Han shot first, and that's it. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, New Hope is great. Um, I know you had Empire on there at first. I love Empire. I did. I was really kind of switching back and forth between the two. Empire, just because, you know, it has the huge reveal that everyone knows now, but yeah. that. Darth Vader's Luke's father and I I just I wish sometimes that like I were like could have watched that in the theaters then because obviously growing up and I I was Mm -hmm. watching it I wasn't really paying as much attention to like the story and whatnot so eventually I was just like oh yeah it's his father but imagine having that reveal like when it came out in theaters would just be absolutely awesome and mind-blowing the same professor I talked about earlier he saw this he saw it in theaters and um he's I think it was New Hope that like he saw and he went there and they were just like giving out the posters because they're like I'm not gonna keep the posters anymore and he just took one home so he has like an original New Hope oh, poster. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I can't remember if it's, I think it's New Hope. It might be Empire, but he has like the original. Like oh my god. Um, I gotta say I also love Jedi because I love Luke's green lightsaber. Of course. Um, green is my favorite lightsaber color not necessarily my favorite color so would you say that new hope is your um favorite star wars movie oh don't put me in this position um we're nearing the end so i just want to ask this last question yes uh, i literally changed my top voice from empire strikes back to new hope while we were doing this because i'm that's how indecisive i am about this yeah I think I, I think I might have to say yes, just because that's when we first learn about the Jedi. I think that's when Han's like his most like scummy yeah. smuggler self. Um, just being able to kind of meet all the characters for the first time. I would have to say, 
It's definitely Last Jedi. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I would. Um, I don't know, man. I I don't know if I can choose, but I might. I know people rag on the prequels, but I really like the prequels, and uh, I also I really like Phantom Menace just because Darth Maul is my favorite Sith of all time. Um, but I I also I mean the what is it revenge of the sith just it gets me time after time after time that fight between obi-wan and anakin at the end is one of my favorite lightsaber duels of all time uh it would probably have to be a toss-up between those two honestly i love the original series love the original trilogy it's great um but it might have to be between those two Ooh, although I hate kind of turning away from more of the Jedi and whatnot, but um, Rogue One. Um, it's that was yeah. I hate mentioning more. Yeah, you forgot about that one. No, nah, it's just it's. I mean that the scene at the end, man. Oh, yes, it, it, of course. It was almost not in the movie, and uh, they almost okay. didn't put that in. No, they had they they finished the movie and like the two like the director and the. Uh, what is it? I think the editor, they were like, it feels like, you know, I feel like we should have one last scene of uh, Darth Vader being totally B.A. So maybe maybe we throw something. Uh, yeah, let's do it. They filmed it in like six days and then they sent it to like the, the producer and producers like a fan, a beautiful. A, a, oh, yes. my God. Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, whew, yeah. That movie definitely destroys. Um, yeah, I, I, I was squealing in that, in the theaters at that point. I was kicking the chair in front of me that was think, think I think, was I there for that? I don't know. I might've been, we might've went and saw that movie. Um, I can't remember. I remember gripping Liam's hand like it was, you know, the last life raft on the Titanic because we were <laughs> just beyond <laughs> excited. Um, all right. That is the, uh, conclusion of our, um, of our movie list, um, if you have any comments on that, uh, we are now available on Spotify. Uh, so if you listen on Spotify, go find us there. And um, uh, yeah, if you have any other comments, you know, leave a comment on Spotify or on Anchor.fm or on the Anchor app, or follow us on Twitter. Um, uh, try and keep uh, comments light. I know other people are very. Uh, passionate about movies and so if you have one that you're like oh this should have been up there don't just Again, be like yeah. this should have been up here i really like this movie not why didn't you have this up here because when we read the comment we might be like why didn't we have this up there? yeah yeah take pity on us forgot about it take pity on us um yeah we might we might mention it next time might talk about that have another light-hearted one all right um episode four we'll probably get into get back into the more uh, nitty-gritty of it um but for now wade asher signing off <laughs>